This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Hello and welcome to Coffeehouse Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Isabel Hardman and I'm joined by Katie Balls and James Forsyth. Well, the government has just U-turned quicker than we expected, perhaps, but not entirely surprising that it's had to go back on its position on Owen Paterson and its decision to allow Tory MPs to mark their own homework by scrapping the Standards Committee and trying to replace it with a new one, which, given Labour and other parties were going to boycott, would have just been staffed with Conservative MPs uh, examining breaches of the MPs' code. James... This U-turn was inevitable. So why on earth did the government go through with the rigmarole yesterday of having this vote whipped in Owen Paterson's favour? I think this is the question lots of very angry Tory MPs and ministers are asking this morning. I think this actually was an example of Parliament having an effect. I think that Tory MPs maybe weren't enthusiastic about it, but thought this was doable. And I think they sat through that debate that very effective speech by Chris Bryant at the end, and I think realised that it really wasn't. Uh, I think that, you know, I'm told that the mood in the Tory voting lobby was phenomenally grim. You know, someone said to me that, you know, only about 12 people seemed like they actually wanted to be there. And I think what Tory MPs were telling themselves rather delusionally was, well, maybe this won't cut through, maybe the public won't notice. And then I think their email inboxes started to explode and then the front pages dropped and I think it became quite clear that this story was in that horrible phrase cutting through was causing real problems to the public and they had to u-turn I think the question was how they could do it and in the end they have just basically gone to essentially reverse everything that happened yesterday but they are dropping this plan for the panel led by John Whittingdale with four Tories on it and supposedly four opposition MPs on it, though the opposition party said they wouldn't take part. They are going to instead try and seek kind of cross-party consensus on reform. And it seems like there will also be another vote on Owen Paterson's suspension. And I think this is one of the ironies of this, is that Owen Paterson is in a far worse situation today than if he had been simply been suspended yesterday. Because I think if he had been suspended yesterday, I think there was very little chance of any kind of if you hadn't been all of this dramatics about it, there'd be very little chance of any kind of recall petition or anything like that. I think this has now entered the public consciousness in such a way that I wouldn't be as confident in discounting it as I was before. Katie, you've written about this twice on Coffee House this morning. This isn't the first U-turn that the government's had in recent weeks, and certainly not over the past year and a bit. We've had a uh, School meals for uh, disadvantaged children during the pandemic, which was the Marcus Rashford U-turn. We've had sewage in in the past week and a bit, which the the government had to U-turn on after a a tsunami of anger about dumping sewage in rivers and so on. And now we have this, which taps into that open source still following the expenses scandal. So does the government know what it's doing? I mean, I think there's plenty of people asking what was going on in number 10 this week and it does feel as though there's been a lack of consultation decisions being taken 10 Downing Street and then obviously by the whips but this isn't really no decision made by cabinet and perhaps this wouldn't be the type of thing that was but I do think it just plays into this narrative one in which you have 
the government making quick decisions, Boris Johnson and his team, and not necessarily thinking through the consequences of those. And I think that it was quite clear, as James touched on, that this new committee wasn't going to work because it was being boycotted pretty much, uh, you know, on arrival. So it was dead on arrival by Labour and the SNP. I think the fact that they put in a free line whip to uh, push MPs into voting it for it would suggest that the government had really thought this through and thought this was worth expending political capital on. This is one where you, they're not saying you can pick, we understand it's delicate. And therefore, I do think that the lack of foresight is creating an issue. I think that you add to this, there has been a sense for some time that Number 10 is unhappy with the Standards Commissioner. And I think what's creating some unease, and it's an opinion that's been articulated, for example, by Dominic Cummings, not a friend of Boris Johnson, but obviously someone who used to work very closely with the Prime Minister, so does have some insight yes you just take some things with a pinch of salt but he had an interesting tweet saying well ultimately Boris Johnson has a reason to want the commissioner in a way to uh, be a weakened force given that as we've spoken about previously and written on coffee house the standards commission has been very critical of Boris Johnson as well as Owen Patterson when it comes to his holiday to mystique in 2019 there's obviously lots of questions still about the flat decoration and therefore even if that isn't the main reason that you are doing this I think having a prime minister who has been accused of things in the past makes you particularly vulnerable to this sense of you know Tory sleeves and therefore while I think Owen Patterson was clearly the wrong vehicle for this which is something Jacob Rees-Mogg accepted in the chamber saying we shouldn't have conflated reform of the Standards Commission with Owen Patterson's case Um, the penny has now dropped I also think there's an issue in the sense that even if you separate them it's really hard to get away too far from the idea that it helps certain MPs including the Prime Minister to reform the Standards Commission and I think by having such a public row over this and forcing MPs into it I think this idea that they're now going to talk about this new cross-party reform has become even harder to do than if they had just tried to go on it quietly unrelated because the opposition parties particularly Labour clearly want to dine out on this Tory sleaze narrative has specific adverts um, you know for all these MPs that voted against for some time I'm struggling to see how politically they start to get into a situation where they work with the Tories to crack down on the commissioner in in a way that would make figures such as Jacob Rees more happy I think one of the things is this reform should lead to a more rigorous more professional commission the standards commission I mean the, the problem with the process at the moment is that uh, if you look at lots of the criticisms that um, Patterson and his supporters made, I, I mean, that, that in some ways undermined the verdict. If this was done, not to bang on about this relentlessly, if this was a High Court judge done in a, a you know, former High Court judge done in a legally proper manner, I think its verdicts would be more compelling. You know, look, its verdicts should have, obviously should have stood in this place. You know, I thought the Jonathan Evans stuff this morning was very strong. You know, you, you, you can't take all of these things for granted you do need to have proper rigorous procedures in place and i mean the the problem at the moment is that the the current approach is is too slapdash and allows people to say well why didn't you talk to my witnesses why didn't you do this why didn't you do that running it in a in a more rigorous and professional manner would i think make its verdicts you know more demanding even more demanding of of being adhered to katie what's next for owen patterson well Jacob Rees-Mogg, when talking about this new panel, which uh, he's going to work on and win cross-party support for, but doesn't have any of the details of just yet, um, did give us one detail, which was that it's not going to be retrospective. And that means when it comes to the case of Owen Patterson, it's not going to have appeals for cases that have already happened. That means that you still have the situation where 
Owen Patterson's suspension likely has to be voted on. We've almost had Groundhog Day. If we go back to yesterday morning, we're pretty much where we were before the vote. Owen Patterson, we expect, needs to face a vote in the Commons on his suspension. And we're not quite sure how that is going to go. But I think it's become much harder for Owen Patterson to win that vote. Speaking to a few Tory MPs just after the U-turn came through, I think they think there's a very good chance that Owen Patterson is now suspended from the Commons. That means he can face... A recall petition, you could potentially see a by-election. I think, as James touched on, I think the chances of actually now um, getting to that by-election point, which seemed quite unlikely when you're looking at this a few days ago, and he take into account Owen Patterson's seat and um, support, has gone up substantially because this is now a front-page story. It's been on the front page of nearly every paper today. Um, it's become a government-wide sleaze story. And I think that attention is not going to be good for Owen Patterson if he, has, if he is um, you know, suspended. And I think Owen Patterson hasn't helped himself. In a way, I don't think the government could have been that surprised because he has been quite unrepentant throughout this, saying that he doesn't think he did anything wrong. But yeah, I still think there was surprise in both Downing Street and the Tory party when after yesterday's vote, Owen Patterson did a media round gave an interview to Sky saying he doesn't regret anything, he'd do it all again tomorrow, which I don't think really helped with those colleagues, not just the colleagues who refused to back him, but the colleagues who actually went and backed him. I I think I've seen this very unhelpful. Now, James, those colleagues who did go and and back him, possibly through gritted teeth, are obviously now quite embarrassed, particularly those who had to in some way defend their decision to do that. And it it reminds those of us who have been covering politics for at least a decade of, of what was happening in... 2011, where the government had to U-turn on so many things, including uh, what was characterised as a plan to sell off the forests. Uh, It was a bit more complicated than that, but MPs ended up defending things in letters that were still in the postman's van when the government U-turned, and they ended up stopping defending things to their constituents because they suspected that another U-turn was coming. Do you think we're now in that territory where Conservative MPs are going to think, what's the point in marching up this hill? Because at some point the whips are going to march us back down again. Yeah, and I think the, but I think the worst thing about this is lots of those things that the government U-turned on. How many voters remembered those issues at the next election? I think the, the, I think the, the danger for them is that this has a kind of cut through, especially if, as Katie says, Labour keep on punching this this bruise and I think that that is the problem I, I also think that there is a, a challenge here of you know, how did people think this was going to play out it, it is sometimes in politics something happens and it blows up and you you couldn't have expected it you know frankly you might have had, uh, you take more interest in this, so you might have had a better anticipation of this I don't mean the sewage thing I would not have necessarily imagined this being something that was going to become a massive issue this was so clearly Tory MP found guilty by standards commissioner Tory MPs then moved to rewrite the rules it was just obvious how this was going to play out and I think there's a real question about why they were doing it why they thought it was worth doing especially given that you know to, to play another scenario, imagine the House had voted to suspend Owen Patterson last night. Imagine Jacob Rees Morgan got up after the vote and said, Whatever you think about this case, there are clearly issues with the Standards Commissioner. It's problematic that the witnesses weren't listened to. It's problematic that there's no right of appeal when people think they haven't been served due process. So I invite my colleague, the Shadow Leader of the House, to join me and other senior MPs to discuss how we could change the system. You know, I think this would be on page five of the papers. And Owen Patterson would be able to say, Well, look, that. 
yes, I have been suspended, but they're, they're looking at the system now because of the, the way that my case was handled. And they've just ended up in an infinitely worse position for absolutely everybody involved in this than if they had just accepted the verdict in the first place. But sometimes it, it's, I think what is alarming Tory or angering Tory MPs and ministers tonight is this morning is kind of, where did anyone think this was going to end up? Where did the Whip's office think this was going to go? Thank you, James. Thank you, Katie. And thank you for listening.